Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 38 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to go see Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me, as always, is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? Matt, I am fantastic. I'm great. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure we will find out why <laughs> in our next segment. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Dave. Uh, today we're watching episode 38. It's called, Huh? A Ceasefire? <laughs> wait, wait, the huh is, is the huh actually in there? Like, H-U-H? Oh, that's in there. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, and we will find out why in just a minute. But before we get to that, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Matt, Matt, our first star of the week is that I am on summer vacation. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. It is. It is. Listen, listen. I'm not. I love my job, Matt. It's fantastic. Um, I, I'm very lucky in that. Like, I on most days, I love going to work. I do. I really genuinely enjoy what I do for a living. But summer vacation is great. It's just great. Uh, you know, I, I do work a lot of hours over this over the year, like over the course of the school year. That is, and so when, by the time summer vacation hits, like you really need it. <laughs> Um, honestly, Matt, my house also needs me to have summer vacation. Okay. Well, okay. So, you know, I, we've talked before that I do like 2,500 hours of work and I do it all over the course of the school year, right? Right. So, all of the stuff that one would normally, like all the house projects and everything that one would normally just do over the course of a year, I don't do them because I'm at school like all the time. So when summer vacation hits, that's when I have time to finally do, you know, like house repairs and like landscaping and blah, 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 blah. Sure. All of the stuff that has been piling up for the last, you know, <laughs> right. 10 months. All of this stuff has just been piling up. I've got to pile of laundry that I haven't done, you know. But you know what, Matt? It's a gorgeous, it is a gorgeous day here in beautiful Cleveland. It's like 70 degrees, blue skies. The sun is shining, obviously, because it's blue skies. There's a breeze blowing. I have a mohawk. As is your summer tradition. Yeah. Yeah. If Oh, I we've never talked about this. Every summer when the school year is over, I... Well, it's actually not when the school year is over. I do it the last week of school. I saw I show up for finals week with a mohawk. And I fancy it looks really good on me. Like, I like how I look with a mohawk. You have a good-shaped head for a mohawk. Yeah. Well, Beth, my wife, says the same thing. I would wear it all year. It's not professional for, well, I guess for my job. It's not professional for a teacher. If I were like a... Right. If you had a different profession, it would totally be a professional haircut. If I was like a motorcycle mechanic, it would totally be a professional haircut. But I'm not. I'm a teacher. Uh, But I would. I would wear it all the time. My head's like, it's round, but it's not too round. You know what I mean? You know, like oh, sometimes yeah. you see someone and like their head is shaved and it's just, it's a little too perfectly round and it looks, and it looks a tiny bit weird. Oh dude, I saw a guy like that the other day. I was walking into work 
and uh, just some other guy walking around downtown, and he looked like uh, he looked like middle management Wilson Fisk. <laughs> Like, his head was shaved. He was sort of like a bigger guy. His head was shaved. Did he have like a cubic zirconium topped walking stick? No, he did not. Now, like I said, middle management Fisk. So, you know, it's, uh, he had like a purple shirt on and like a gray suit. And he was a heftier dude with a shaved head. Uh, And, but he was wearing like really crummy shoes. And it just looked like. Like, the kingpin had just had a really bad year. Oh. <laughs> and, like, he wasn't destitute yet, but, like, he definitely it had to move out of his penthouse. Right. It wasn't going well, is the point. Right. Okay. Anyway, that dude's head was way too round. Too, yeah, it's, just, it's too round. Okay, Matt, I could keep talking about summer vacation literally probably for the rest of this podcast, which I won't do. So what, Matt, is our second star of the week? Dave, our second star of the week is that I have been uh, going on something of a shopping spree recently. Nothing okay. big, not anything big, but a couple of small things that I've been meaning to get, and I'm very excited to now have them. Right. Well, what did you buy? This is like uh, an unboxing video. Unbox- have you ever seen an unboxing video, by the way? I have uh, studiously avoided unboxing videos. Yeah, okay. There's two styles of videos. There's like unboxing videos and haul videos. My wife has turned, like, she has shown me these. And a whole video, this is not a joke, Matt. It's just a video, and you're like, here's all the stuff that I bought. But there are people whose, like, entire YouTube channels is just. Like, showing them, off the thing right. they bought that day. It's just them saying, like, here's the stuff that I bought, everyone. And these people have, like, thousands of subscribers. I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Having said all that, Matt, why don't you tell me about the stuff that you bought? Oh, Dave, let me tell you about my haul. (laughs) Okay, so um, you might not be able to tell, but I am currently recording from a much fancier setup. Uh, I feel like like it comes through, Matt. I certainly hope so. I saw you showed me a picture of it. Yeah, I sent you a picture of this. Yeah, the thing looks totally cool. It's like an adjustable arm that I put my microphone on that's like attached to the desk with a clamp. And then I also bought a shock mount. Which is one of those things, it's got like a sort of spider web of elastic, and there's like a ring in there that you screw the microphone into. Um, I don't know if it actually makes a difference to how it sounds, but sitting next to it makes me feel like a boss. Like, it feels way more professional, and I love it. Dude, I... Okay, so my mic right now is just stacked up on a pile of books, because I'm kind of a tall dude, as are you, obviously. You're tall. Oh, yeah. Honestly, that's one of the best things, is that I can finally take that stack of... Like, uh, what was I? What did I have over there? Showcase prevents metamorpho. Uh, some ascent, <laughs> like essential Fantastic Four Volume Three. A couple of stacks of Spider-Man books, and it was just perpetually on my desk because I needed to have something to prop up the mic so it would be yeah, high enough I'm to too, get to my Like, mouth. I don't want to hunch over the mic while we're doing this. And so Beth and I were talking. We might actually get one of those things because she's much shorter than I am, and so we're always having to adjust where the books are. So yeah, I think I'm gonna get one. It's great. I, I, uh, I, they come for recommended. Okay, so you got a shock mount, and you got like a uh, armature. Is that what? That's fair. I to call say, it right? an armature. Sure. Yeah. Anything else? Um. Oh, I bought a uh, one terabyte external hard drive. Oh man! And let me tell you, do you know how much of that space I need? Maybe like a 
quarter of it, maybe. But it was a terabyte for $40. And I remember the first time I heard about a terabyte, we were in like junior high or high school. I want a terabyte. Through the the FBI building. And then they said that their entire database was held on this giant computer that was a terabyte. Yeah. Um, And And so when I saw one for $40, I just couldn't not buy it. I want that. I want a terabyte hard drive. I don't need it. No, neither do I. I just have it plugged into my Wii U so it can hold all my DLC. <laughs> I just want a terabyte. That's like science fiction levels of storage, man. I want that. That's I don't great. need it. Okay. So, anything else? Anything and else the, out of this? The uh... last exciting purchase that I've recently made, Dave, is that I have upped my shaving game. Nice. I. Uh, it always feels good to up your game. You know what I it mean? It does. Hey, listen. 2015. Up your game. Up your game. Uh, I bought a safety razor. Now, for a long time, I had been thinking about getting a straight razor, but I didn't want to have to, like, entirely relearn how to shave. Yeah, I have heard that about straight razors. Yeah, like, they are great, but you need to buy, like, a bunch of equipment with them to keep them sharp and sort of learn how to do it all over again. Right, and then there's the ever-present danger of killing yourself. Sure, that is an issue. There is a reason Which I find intimidating, I'm not gonna lie. Uh... But the safety razor is basically uh, laid out in the same way as a sort of regular uh, disposable razor. Uh huh. But it's this giant metal handle that you unscrew and just fit a razor blade into. Yeah, that's boss, dude. That's rad. And it's great because, first of all, it's this giant metal thing, and you can sort of let the weight of the razor do a lot of the work. Okay. And second, like, when I bought the handle, it was, you know, like... $35 or something for a chunk All right. of... That's like not a like... third of a pound chunk of chromium steel. Like, that's not uh, no dollars, but it's no. not outside of a maybe middle-class adult's budget. No, but the great thing is that now all I need to do is buy razor blades, and I bought a box of 100 razor blades for 10 bucks, and so basically I don't need to spend any more money on shaving for a year. Wow. So what, 45 bucks? Yeah, about forty-five, maybe forty. Well, 50 okay, bucks well, it's all, but yeah, but really, what it is is forty-five dollars initial outlay. Yeah, and this then year. you're doing ten bucks a year, and it, pretty much forever. Yeah. Do you think you'll actually go through a hundred blades in a year? Because I know you wear a beard. Well, the nice thing is that now so you're only shaving that, your neck. I'm only shaving my neck, and I only do it like you know every you know two or three days. Right. But if I use not, like, super hairy blade, dudes. no, but if I use each razor blade twice and then throw it out, I can always have a fresh, sharp blade. And still only be spending $10 on razor blades for the entire year. Ooh, yeah, that's appealing. I'll tell you, it's, uh, it is surprisingly satisfying. I might, dude, I think I might have to get in on that action. I'll send you a link. Yeah, do that. Dude, yeah, 2015, up your game. Just up your game. Do it! Have you seen Shia LaBeouf's motivational video? I I tend to avoid Shia LaBeouf's anything videos. Okay, no, listen, dude. I am with you. I am not traditionally like a big fan of the beef. Don't love the beef. But but I I have not liked him traditionally, and then he kind of like really went off the rails. He had that like uh, kind of scandal about plagiarizing that dude's comic, and you know really took not undeservedly, but took a lot of heat for it. Really did not respond. Did not respond well to the pressure. Did not respond well to the pressure. However, I feel like he's kind of coming through that, and what's coming out on the other side is, I think, 
a lot cooler than he's ever been. Does that make sense? Like, I, I look at him now, and I'm like, all right, Shia LaBeouf, like, you made some mistakes, you copped to it, sort of, you took well, the heat. He, he avoided copping to it as long as humanly possible. Right. Do you remember that whole, like, sequence oh, of events where he... Oh, yeah, dude. Like, it was, like, He was weird. apologizing, but all of his apologies were also plagiarized. Yeah. It was a, it was a weird moment. It was very strange. But... He, I feel like he's coming through on the other side. And like, listen, I've got no hate for the guy. I am always, like, if somebody screws up and then kind of comes back and is like, hey, man, I'm trying to be cooler now. I, f- I fancy and I try to be this person that I'm always like, you know what, dude? You did screw up. But, like, let's move past it. We're all human. So, but dude, do yourself a favor and just look up Shia LaBeouf's motivational video. It's hilarious. It's just well, maybe maybe I'll give the Beef 2.0 some, uh, <laughs> maybe I'll give him a look-see. All right, Matt. So Anyway, uh, so that is our second star of the week. Uh, thank you for listening to my haul video. Uh, Dave, what is our third star of the week? Third star of the week, Matt, is this is actually a week ago today, but we're recording, we were recording on kind of an odd schedule, but last week... So my wife and some of our lady friends had a sort of 1940s get together day and they like did hair and makeup and like some dresses, I think. I don't totally know, but they had a blast. But while they were having a blast, you and I were also having a blast with our buddy Cody, who we don't get to see a whole heck of a lot. But actually, we have seen more frequently recently because he was also in town for that baseball game you were talking about. But yes, we went down to the Cleveland Art Museum. Which, if you are in Cleveland, like if or you're looking for Cleveland. a thing, or near Cleveland, if you're looking for a thing to do in Cleveland, the Art Museum is a fantastic bet. First of all, it's free, which is not to say it's not great. It is like regularly lauded as one of the great, like the last great open to the public free museums. Like you could literally just walk in and see priceless works of art which is totally rad. They've got a very broad collection. I think it's, honestly, Matt, it's, you might know this better than I do. I think it's kind of still funded by the Rockefellers. Um, sort I'm of. not sure about the not Rockefellers. Like, not like current uh, Rockefellers. Specifically, but most of like the great cultural institutions in Cleveland, like the Art Museum and the Cleveland Orchestra, they, you know, they had foundations set up to fund them you know, back when Cleveland was huge in the 20s and 30s and stuff. Yeah, man. Like before, there's a lot you know, before of, the dark time. There's a lot of old industrial money still rolling around Cleveland. And yeah, they just set it up and set that ball rolling. And it was such a big ball that it has never that it's stopped rolling. still good. But yeah, the museum is great. They've got like an armor court where you can see like medieval and sort of like restoration period like armors. They've got, like, a modern art section. They've got, like, a beautiful collection of, like, Asian art. And uh, so we went. We checked out the museum. We had a couple of drinks. After that, there was, like, a bizarrely torrential downpour in Cleveland of the sort that happens, like, maybe once a year. Maybe. Oh, yeah. It was terrible. And actually, it was doubly terrible because we had walked from the museum to the bar where we were going to be hanging out for the evening. Right. And uh, then it was about five o'clock and I remembered like, 
oh no, we are parked in the museum's garage, the museum closes at five, and we are currently in the middle of like a hurricane. Right. So what we got an Uber driver, right? Yeah, yep. we got an Uber driver to drive us like the three blocks back to the museum so we could get our cars. And dude, there was seriously probably eight inches of standing water in like low intersections. It was crazy. Oh, dude, it was straight up Oregon Trail. We had to like ford the river in our cars. <laughs> and I'll tell you, like, I didn't break an axle, but I think I got to get my car into the shop. It's making a noise. Ooh. Oh, that sucks, dude. Yeah, it's no piggy. Okay. It's so probably anyways, just something got a little, you know, wet and needs to be moved around or yeah, cleaned probably. or something. It's that's honest. It's not a long star. We just had a fantastic time at the museum. It was great to see our good friend Cody, and we had a great time at the bar, ABC Uptown. If you're a Clevelander, check it out. It's a great bar. So, Matt, what is our fourth star of the week? Dave, our fourth star of the week is that uh, I have been enjoying some uh, Super Sentai and Super Sentai adjacent media. No kidding. And as you the, of all show, people is the Super Sentai Brothers. I thought I would share it with you and our listeners. Okay, so, so what's up? Uh, first and foremost, I have been watching Jetman. Dave, okay, Jet I don't know Man anything about Jetman. Is great. That's good, because assuming that I can sort of watch it all online in a way that does not require um, our listeners to have to, like, torrent it, because... I feel like that's a weird request to make of them. Yeah, we don't uh, want to. That, that, I think, is going to be season two of the Super Sentai Brothers. Right on. Uh, I'm like, I'm only like five episodes in right now, and Dave, it is great. So I don't want to tell you too much about it now. Yeah, um, don't. Uh, except don't really that it's, it's not like a magic one. It's like a military one where they're fighting people from like another dimension. Awesome. Uh, they all get superpowers. Um, they all get bird-based superpowers. By being zapped with the machine that bathes them in birdonic waves. Okay. Dude, there's another... Isn't there another Japanese show? It's uh, a cartoon. A Gachaman. Yeah. Is this I, just like a thing? I think that Gachaman came before Jetman, and Jetman is like... Sort of in like halfway a live to... adaptation. Okay, right on. No, it's it's not an adaptation. I think it's just not you know ad- inspired yeah, an by adaptation. In some way. Right? Yeah. Because even the helmets kind of look the same. This is something that if we do end up what uh, you know doing season two, uh, you know Jetman Radio Future, um, I will try to look up and figure out before then. Oh yeah, totally. Am I sure it's going to be called Jetman Radio Future? I don't know if I should name it after the Xbox sequel to Jet Grind Radio, but uh, you know. That's what I'm working with right now. So I don't know. Uh, that might just be what we all. I, have that to seems deal with. fair. That seems like a good one. What I actually so, really wish is that I could somehow name it after the Wings song "Jet," so that we could have two years in a row of this show being named after a song by the Wings. <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's that's a deep cut, Matt. Hey, listen, Wings did live and let die. Wings they... also did Jet, and Jet is a great song. But then if we named it after it, it would. Like, we would just, would just be calling be... it Jetman. Jet, yeah, no, that's... No, and there's we nothing need... to do there. I feel like the pun-based title is a really key part of the of the magic of, of this show, Matt. We're trying to stay on brand. Maybe Suffer a Jetman City? Ooh, okay. Okay, so Matt, uh, anything else? Any other Sentai-sort-of-oriented stuff that you've been oh, enjoying? Yeah. Um, this is a video game from a couple of years ago, um, but I'm only just getting around to playing it now. Uh, it is Story the of my one- life, dude. Oh, dude, tell me about it. It's the Wonderful 101. It's oh, a Capcom I game. I wanted to play that game. It looked really fun. Uh, you can do that if you come over to my place. It's great. 
it's weird and difficult. Basically, the the hook of the game is that you are playing as sort of a Super Sentai team, but it's not just five people. It's 100 people, and then on top of that, you're sort of recruiting and saving citizens as you go through, and the power that they have is, like, combining all of the people, like, the cloud of people who are running around you into huge weapons, and so you save like 20 people and then you draw a little shape on the touchpad of the Wii U and it turns those 20 people into a giant blue energy sword that you can use to, you know, attack. Right. And it's it's very weird. It is it's it's taking a lot of time to sort of get used to the game because it's almost like You ever play Pikmin? Like once. Like, the, the, it's kind of similar to Pikmin, where, like, you are a dude who are controlling, like, a whole host of people who are right around you. But gotcha. It's, like, superhero action instead of, you know, farming action. Right, right, Pikmin right. Is. Pikmin is fun, but also very weird. Anyway, so, wait, that's Matt, kind of all I've got on one-on-one. But. Isn't, it's made by the same people who did uh, Beautiful Joe, right? I think so, yeah. It's kind of very both similar Capcom aesthetic, games. from what I recall correctly. Mm-hmm, yeah. Beautiful Joe. Man, Beautiful Joe was a great game. Yeah, that was a good game. So, Matt, anything else Sentai-oriented? Nope, uh, just Jetman and the Wonderful 101. Dave, that brings us to our fifth star, and what do you got for me? Oh, it was just uh, it was a really fun thing we did last night, or I did last night. You were not there, although you were invited. You couldn't make it out because of the aforementioned weird sound your car is making. Anyways, we did a Netrunner tournament last night. Like I didn't, it wasn't like an officially sanctioned, like went to a store and did a tournament. We just kind of did like a buddies tournament. Oh, fun. But what we did, there's sort of two uh, styles of play, Matt. And so there's constructed, which is like everybody has their own cards and you put together the best deck that you can put together. And then, you know, you pit your deck against the other guy's deck. Oh, sorry. It, uh, Netrunner, we've mentioned it on the show before. Netrunner is an LCG. Uh, a living card game that is uh it's it's a card game that's really fun sorry that's really all there is to it but what we did last night we didn't do a constructed tournament we did a draft tournament okay now draft... this is this is a word that i have heard from like magic the gathering people but since i don't yeah. play magic the gathering it only exists in my head as a word so what does this actually mean okay so here's the deal what you do with a in a draft setting is that instead of everybody using their own cards and kind of coming up with the best deck that they can, you, whoever is hosting the tournament, in this case our our buddy Bill, because he has all the cards, puts together a set of like not totally random cards, but like like an agglomeration of cards. And then what you do is you take out like... Uh, we took uh, 160 cards, right? Okay. And then you divvy those up into groups of 10, okay? And then you just start, like... So if there's four guys, like, I'll have a stack of 10. The guy to my right, like, you know, we'll all have a stack of 10. And then we each take one card from that stack, and then we pass the stack along. And so basically what you're trying to do is create the best deck you can out of the, like, semi-random cards that come your way. Okay. So really what you're doing is, like, you're kind of trying to construct a deck on the fly, but you don't know what's... Because it's random, right? So, like, you don't know what you will have access to 
like a little bit down the road. So you're just kind of like scrambling to put together something that works. Oh, wow. And you, it's really, it's actually, I think it's super fun. And I think it really like levels the playing field a lot between players that are like really excellent and players that are kind of like still starting out and like really learning the game. Because if you're playing against dudes who are like really, really good at the game, I mean, obviously they would still have an edge, but you know, like they have all the cards, they've had time to think about it. They're like constructing and like playtesting and doing all this stuff and like really refining a concept down to where like it's a really powerful and efficacious, uh, you know, deck, right? Right. Whereas in a draft tournament, it's just like you're kind of throwing it together and hoping it works. And it's just, I think it's a ton of fun. Uh, next no, that time, sounds we're great. Do, yeah, we're going to do another one. You totally should come out. It's well, it's a, it's a blast. We just sit around and drink some beers and play games. So that's really it. I had a great time, and I wanted to share that with you. And with you, our, our listeners. listeners. Uh, okay, uh, Dave, that's it for the five stars. We are going to take a break. We're going to watch episode 38, huh? A ceasefire. Huh? And we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. So we just finished watching episode 38. And Dave, as much as you are able, why don't you tell me what we just saw? Okay, before I do that, actually, something occurs to me. There are a lot like a lot of players going on in this episode. So why don't you actually give us just like a quick like a quick rundown on who all everybody is? Okay, you know, that's a really good point. You know what we I'm haven't saying? done this in a while. So um in case you have forgotten who any of these people are, or um this is somehow your first episode, in which case I have great news for you. There's a whole other thirty seven episodes you can go listen to. <laughs> um let me run through the cast that we're going to be seeing. So we have our five main heroes. We've got Ryu, who's the leader. He's our Red Ranger. Um, he commands uh, Ryuseo, who is the uh, giant red robot dragon. He is the smaller of the two giant robot dragons that we're going to be seeing in this episode. Um, but he works at a restaurant. He's a cool dude. His dad uh, was a evil betrayer from 6,000 years ago, but that's not really going to come up today. Uh, we have Shoji, uh, Bullet Shoji, the warrior of love. Uh, he is a sort of goofball who tries to be a tough guy, got a big heart, rides a motorcycle, wears a pompadour. Uh, we have Daigo, and Daigo is the best. Daigo is the, the best. sort of... Uh, warm-hearted, loves all animals and every living thing on the earth, and also loves punching monsters in the face really hard. Super hard. Uh, he actually manages to work that sort of tough guy with a soft heart balance a lot better than Shoji does. Uh, he also has a magical peacock girlfriend. She is not in this episode. Uh, we have Kazu. Kazu is a guy from the country, moved to the city. He works in a salon. He wears a suit. Uh... He's a cool dude. He is friends with Cameo, who we'll get into in just a second. Uh, rounding out the Die Rangers is Rin, who is our Pink Ranger. Uh, she is the only lady on the team, so of course she's the pink one. Um, although that's not the case in every year. Sometimes uh, they're white, sometimes they're blue. But this year, she's pink. Uh, she 
is uh, Chinese, we think. Uh, she is more directly related to the Dai tribe. Her uncle builds all of their like magic technology stuff that they use to fight the monsters. Their leader is the mysterious Kaku, who uh, lives in a headquarters that we have dubbed Murder Basement, because it looks like a basement where you could get murdered. Um, he is also from 6,000 years ago, but uh, everything else about him is a little hazy. So, uh, their ally who appears in this episode is Cameo. Cameo is a dude that they met a while ago who loved turtles, and then it turned out that he was actually a 6,000-year-old giant robot turtle who had been hiding from conflict by turning himself into a human and forgetting his past. Uh, when he turns into a giant robot turtle, his name is Dai Mugen. And then our villains, we have uh, the Goma tribe. The Goma commanders are... Oh, Matt, you forgot about Ko. I was going to get to Ko at the end. Okay. Because right now he's sort of uh, he's sort of a wild card. Gotcha. Uh, so we have our Goma commanders, who are Shadam, Gara, and Zydos. And they are these sort of, like, leather-clad bad guys. Um... They all have sort of individual relationships with the different characters. None of those really come up this episode, so I'm not going to get super into them. Except to say that Shadam is sort of the guy in charge of those three. But they are all sort of under the thumb slash rule of their sort of king or whatever, whose name is Goma the 15th, who is a weird dude who lives in a flying upside-down pyramid and sort of commands all of the evil stuff. He's a weird guy. Uh, the final weird. Goma commander is Akamaru, who is Shadam's son, who had died and then was brought back to life by getting literally fished out of hell, like with a fishing hook. Uh, and now he's back to life. Uh, he is currently running a scheme on our sixth Power Ranger, Ko, who is the White Ranger. Um, Ko is a 10-year-old boy whose mother is from the Dai tribe. His father was a Goma, and so he has this sort of, like, mixed blood. Now, when he turned 10, there was a thing that happened where um, the Goma were able to affect his mind because a magical brand that had been put on him to hold his evil in uh, wore out. And so they were able to sort of turn him evil. So right now, he's normally one of the good guys. But last we saw him, he was fighting against our heroes. By the way, I said he was 10 years old. When he transforms into his Power Ranger form, he becomes like a, you know, he's in an adult body. So, yeah, that's that. Is that everybody, Dave? Or at least everybody I that appears in this episode? That Yeah, I think that's everybody who's relevant. Okay. Now... We can now recap let's get the episode. Into the recap. <laughs> okay. If you remember from last week, the episode ended when Daijin Ryu, who is a robot dragon that is so gigantic that Ryuseo, who is himself the size of a dragon, looks like a person compared to the size of Daijin Ryu. Does that make sense? Like. Yeah, basically, Daijin Ryu the, is the a dragon scale, that is so large yes. that he is a dragon to other dragons. He's like a double dragon. Okay. But with less kung fu and more atomic nuclear breath. Anyways. Yes. So in this episode, basically, 
Daijin Byu shows up, lays waste to everything he can see. We discover why he's there, which is ultimately to keep some sort of cosmic peace. And he feels driven by some, you know, autochthonic primal urge that there is too much conflict on Earth. And the only way to appease slash get him to leave is for there to be less conflict on Earth. And Kaku attempts to engineer a ceasefire between the Rangers and the Goma, ultimately between the Dai tribe and the Goma tribe. And we see how that works out. Okay, so as we begin, we start right where we left off. Um, Daijin Ryu has landed. Um, He is threatening everyone, but has not actually acted yet. And everyone is just sort of looking up into the sky, sort of awestruck. Right. Nobody has nobody has any idea what to do with this thing. The Rangers are just staring at him in awe. The Goma commanders are straight freaking out. Just nobody knows how to handle it. He's so outside the like level of conflict that they were prepared for. Everybody's just gobsmacked. Nobody knows what to do. There's some really dramatic music playing in the background. And uh, super dramatic music. Daijin Ryu proceeds to attack uh, the Pachinko monster. Yeah. Like he kicks it over and he kicks it so hard. And this might be the only time we've ever seen this. Uh, The Pachinko monster had enlarged at the end of the last episode. So he was like building sized. And he got kicked so hard by Daijin Ryu that he shrank back down to normal person size. Yeah. I don't really know how that works. But Daijin Ryu definitely did that thing. Okay. So the Goma commanders, they see this and they they freak out and they're just like, we're gone. And they just do that like teleport away thing that they do. Like they just bug out. Yeah. They do not want the to Rangers. have any part of this. <laughs> yeah. And so the Rangers... the Rangers see this. Yeah. And they think, reasonably so, like, oh, Daijin Ryu must be our friend. He's attacking the Goma. This is awesome. Like, there's no way we'll be able to, you know, lose to the Goma now. We've got Daijin Ryu on our side. That is not actually the case. No, that is super not the case. Because the next thing that Daijin Ryu does, like, the camera pans out. And so you can see Daijin Ryu sort of, like, standing colossal over the city of Tokyo. And literally, I mean, he literally looks like he is standing among anthills. And not those, like, giant African-style anthills. Just like a regular anthill. I just want to give you a, a scale for the size of this thing. It's gigantic. Yeah, the city looks like toys, not like giant piles of cardboard boxes. Right. So anyways, we pan back. We see Daijin Ryu in what can only say looming over the city, towering over the city. But he's there. And he opens up his mouth, or maybe it comes out of his eyes, but some sort of energy beam shoots out from his head. It hits the city, and then I swear like half of Tokyo just blows up. It's it's like an atomic bomb. There's like it hits a central point and there's a shockwave, and it just destroys everything. Like the city is flattened. Yeah. And, like, we will see that, like, buildings are still standing, but, like, throughout the rest of the episode, and I don't remember, maybe even the next couple of episodes, any time that you see, like, the city streets of Tokyo, like, 
It is in ruins. Like, buildings yeah, are just rubble. rubble. Like, cars are blown up. It's like the end of the Avengers, the first one, where, like, yeah, all man. of New York there's City just, is just blown up. nothing left. But, like, worse somehow. Yeah. So he just, and that's not, like, a super attack, we don't think, on Daijin Ryu's part. He just did that. So he bugs out. Like, Daijin Ryu, he drops this bomb, and then he just flies away, presumably to some other part of the world, but what we see is the rangers, they get knocked out of their tension forms. They're looking around. Ko seems to be gone. So Ko's nowhere to be found. Remember, the last time we saw Ko, he was like mind-controlled and was attacking. Not mind-controlled, but like... He had been like turned to evil via the yeah. force of evil chi. So we... The last we saw of him, he was attacking the rangers. He's nowhere to be found now. And the rangers are just kind of running around looking for Ko and trying to help, you know, the people that are caught in the rubble blast of Daijin Ryu's super. Yeah, they're trying to, like, pull people out of piles of rubble. And yeah. Rin particularly is looking around looking for Ko. Uh, we get a quick cut over to Murder Basement where Kaku was completely caught off guard by the, like, massive destruction of Tokyo. Yeah, did not see this coming. We get a little... We get some real solid physical acting on the Rangers' parts. You know, struggling, quote-unquote, to lift up what is very clearly styrofoam rubble. Yes. But they sell it. Oh, they sell hard. They sell it. They do a good job. And eventually, in the rubble, they find Cameo. And Cameo... Uh, is just sort of like quivering and talking about how this is the end of the world. Yeah, he's like, he's losing it. He's like, this is it, you guys. And they say, oh, this is the, what was it, the great king of terror that you were talking yeah. about, right? And he said, yes. Which is sort of like, guys. Yeah, of course it obviously. is. Obviously. Of course. Who else is good? Okay, but anyways. So he says, yes, that's him. And then they, they, you know, they pull him it. out of the rubble and they then cut down to uh, the murder basement. So they're sort of right. out of the destruction and they're trying to regroup. Right. So they've brought, and this time, this is the first time ever actually, they've brought somebody from the outside. They bring Cameo with them. So it's Doshikaku, the Rangers, and Cameo down in murder basement. Kaku is totally surprised to hear about Daijin Ryu. Like he did not see this coming. Yeah, which is weird because usually even when bad stuff happens, like, you know, that Kaku has eyes all over the city and he is the one telling the Rangers what is up. Yeah, he's sort of aware of all of this stuff, generally speaking. He is caught completely off guard, okay? And so Kamiya was talking about Daijin Ryu and they're like, A, I guess that's the dragon we just saw because apparently Daijin Ryu means a giant god dragon. Sure, okay. Um... And so they're like, okay, so that's who you're talking about. How do you know who that is? And Kamo's like, well, I don't know how I know. I just kind of know. At which point, yeah. Kaku points out, like, well, Cameo is Dai Mugen. Like, you know, this ancient giant robot turtle. So he probably has all of this knowledge sort of, like, stored away in his brain somewhere. Even if he doesn't yeah, know Cameo, he's accessing it. Cameo occupies, like, a weird space. Because he is simultaneously, like, a person and a giant robot turtle like he's a kaiden beast yeah so i think they're just kind of using that as a plot device and kaku makes he's like yeah that makes sense you probably just kind of know stuff and you don't know why you know it okay so here is what we find out 
This is the deal with Daijin Ryu. He is a cosmic force for neutrality, kind of. Yeah, there is meant to be some manner of balance. Like, balance and peace in the universe. Yeah, balance, I think, is less important than peace, is what it seems like. Like, peace or, like, yeah, peace is, like, the most important thing. Because apparently, what Daijin Ryu does is he, like, judges planets. He is, like, Arashem the judge, okay? So if your planet is too, like, roiled in conflict, like, there's too much violence and fighting going on, Daijin Ryu just shows up and levels the joint. Right. Like, he just takes everything to square one, and you start over. Because that's, I mean, it's bad for the planet, but I guess the idea is that, like, that maintains peace in the universe. So... Okay, what they actually say, I wrote this down, they say that Daijin Ryu is there to protect the order of space. Like, all in caps, order of space. Well, of isn't capitalized, but order and space are both capitalized. This is amazing! Yeah. Like, this is the best thing ever, because what this tells us... It's one of these huge concepts in this show that just comes out of complete left field, and I love it. nothing! We had no idea that any of this was coming. And so now what we know is not only are Kaiden beasts not, like, unique to Earth, but there is an entire other galactic civilization that, like, of which Daijin Ryu is some sort of part. It's either that or he is just, like, a literal, like, force of nature. Yeah, except he's a giant robot. Well, that's which true. Which is crazy. But, like, all of this stuff. I guess the Kaiden you know. beasts are. Right. I mean, this is some Celestials level, like, cosmic gardening style. Like, this is amazing. Okay. Now, like, I would watch a whole other thing set in this universe. No, Dave. You know what I mean? I want to take a quick aside to tell you something about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Please do that. Um, I got. Um, I had a. Brief Twitter conversation this week with uh, Jake, who's one of the hosts of the Morphin Grid podcast. Okay. I mentioned them before. Basically, they're doing the same kind of thing that we're doing, like episode by episode, but they're doing Power Rangers. Red. And he was telling me, because apparently they were recently going through these episodes, or will be soon. I'm actually a little behind on theirs. Sorry, Jake. Uh, but he was telling me that... In Power Rangers, like, this, like, he doesn't show up as Daijin Ryu. He's called, like, Serpentor or whatever. But he is just, like, a giant robot dragon. I think he is, like, Lord Zed's personal zord that he built. Okay. And, uh, like, he comes to Earth a few times and then just sort of, like, leaves in the middle of combat because he runs out of batteries. And what? that is their version of the Great King of Terror. Like, our awesome, ah. weird, cosmic arbiter of neutrality in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is Zed Zord that is too big to properly power for more than a few minutes. <sighs> America, it is man. hilarious. Okay, so. Oh, that's, oh, man, that's okay. So anyway, so that's the deal with Daijin Ryu. And apparently, like, the only way to stop him, sort like, you can't stop him, 
But the only way to avoid him just nuking your whole planet is to just stop fighting. Like, you have to eliminate conflict. Right. Because once, then he, once you will stop leave. to be a threat to the universal balance, then he'll just leave because he's fine. Like, he doesn't need to destroy Earth. He's only doing it to destroy the conflict. Once the conflict is gone, he can also be gone. Right. And so Cameo was saying, like, listen, you guys all need to stop fighting right now. And the Rangers do not respond to this well. Because they're right. saying, they're like, like, listen, this is not our fault. We don't want to fight. We're only fighting to protect the Earth from the Goma. And Kamio's like, listen, Daijin Ryu does not care about that at all. <laughs> right. It's like, you don't get it. Like, he doesn't. He doesn't care. There's nothing going on. Like, just, you need to stop. You need to stop fighting. And Shoji is like, but we fight for justice. And Kamio's like, dude, Shoji, no. Like, it does not matter. Like, I know that, and you know that. But Daijin Ryu, even if he does know that, could give, like, could not care less. Right. And so, at this point, Kaku breaks him, gives the most direct and best piece of advice he's ever given anyone, as far as I can tell. He just says, listen, you guys go rescue the wounded and look for Ko. Like, that's what you need to do right now. Like, split into two groups. Oh, by the way, real quick, right before he does that, we see, like, a television screen, and it's reporting on uh, Daijin Ryu being other places on Earth. So, like, he has already flown to, I think we... We see the Chrysler building in the shot. So, like, he has flown to New York City and is now, like, proceeding to rampage through New York City. Well, I mean, it can't take him that long to cover the distance. I mean, he's so... Yeah. But, yeah. But I'm just saying, so he this is, is maybe the first time in the show that we have seen any of this stuff actually take place outside of Japan or, like, very limited parts of China. So, I yeah. just wanted to point that out. So... All the rangers so, leave, they're looking for Ko, and they're helping the wounded, picking up giant piles of styrofoam rubble. Right. We cut down. Now things are about to get real crazy, if they weren't crazy enough before. So we follow Kaku. He goes down, like, down some stairs to, like, a secret back wall, or it just looks like a brick wall. It's obviously, like, a secret entrance, clearly. But he does, like, a little, like, Yoriyoku, or Kiriyoku, rather, like... Uh, Kiryoku, right? Yeah, Kiryoku. He does like a Kiryoku, like, telekinesis thing. He like force pulls this brick. And when he force pulls this brick, there's a secret wall that opens. He walks through the door, down some steps, into like a cavey thing. And he's got what kind of looks like a, like a palanquin. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he sits a palanquin. Sorry, a palanquin, if you, uh, if you don't know the word, is like, uh, if you ever see like an old timey like roman emperor or something and he's sitting on a chair and that chair is on poles and the poles are being carried by servants or slaves or whatever that's a palanquin so he sits down in this palanquin and then kind of meditates and uses his kiryoku to lift the thing up and then kind of send it flying forward so he has sort of like a self-powered flying carpet flying palanquin whatever yeah, and, and he's we just see him like this sort of, like away. underground secret cavern, like tunnel thing that is just sort of down in murder basement, I guess. And Dave, is this the first time we've seen this? Yeah, we have no idea okay. that this existed before. Which is also, first of all, is bizarre because again, murder basement is in the basement of a building that is in like the middle of Tokyo, as far as we can tell. Yeah. Maybe not the middle, but like it's in Tokyo. 
And I feel like people would maybe know if there was an enormous, like, just gigantic cave system underneath the city. Yeah. But whatever. It is possible that it's a magic cave that doesn't actually exist in real space. But in either case, it is a weird... It's, it's very cool. Let's stick with magic cave. Okay. So we see him flying, and then we see Goma headquarters. And Doshikaku just flies right up. They all know who he is. Yeah, like, they see him flying up, and they're like, oh, man, it is Doshikaku. Let's get him. Like, they're all pulling out their swords. They're getting ready to rush him as soon as he lands. So he lands. He walks in. They all surround him. They've all got, like, spears and swords and everything pointed at him. He looks at them. Like, his eyes flare blue. And then he throws off, like, an energy fire wave. And they all get thrown back. Again. So Doshikaku, again. Doshikaku is, I think, way harder than he lets on. Way harder. So he just launches all of these dudes away, and then, then, uh, Goma Commander Gara says, wait, that was Yoriyoku. Which, if you don't remember, is the type of chi that Goma have. Yeah. Okay. How does someone who isn't a Goma have Yoriyoku? And, I just went, and Kaku oh, yeah. just walks past them, picks up, like, the ceremonial mask that you have to wear to enter the throne room to see Goma the 15th, and just, like, goes on in. Yeah, so he knows the rules, right? He puts the mask on. He goes to see Goma the 15th. He's sitting on one of, like, the weird pillars that Goma the 15th's, like, throne room is surrounded, like, built on, I guess. If you don't remember... Goma the 15th throne room, it's not actually a room. Everybody just stands on these pillars that are suspended in nothingness, as far as we can tell. And the pillars themselves kind of move around, but there's no, like, floor. Right. Okay? So Kanku was sitting on one of these pillars. It, like, rolls in. He's sitting facing Goma the 15th. And then he takes his mask off. Which, so far, like... Basically, no one is allowed to do. Like, Akamaru is allowed to do that, but, like, even, like, Shadam, Zydos, and Gara like, have to wear those masks when they're in there. Now, this could just be that Kaku is like, hey, I wore the mask for a second, but, like, I don't want you to think that I'm following your rules. So it could just be that it's, like, a rule of etiquette thing and everybody does it, and Kaku's like, forget that. I'm not one of your servants. So that's why he takes the mask off. We don't know. But... Kaku says to Goma the 15th, he's like, listen, here's the deal. This is Daijin Ryu. Like, this is this giant dragon's deal. This is why he's here. If we don't want him to destroy Earth, like, you and I need to negotiate a ceasefire. Like, we need to stop fighting or Daijin Ryu will just destroy everything. And Goma the 15th is like, oh, hi, Kaku. Like, welcome. It's good to see you. He mentions at some point that they were good friends. Yeah. That was a weird, like, it was a little throwaway line, but he definitely said something like that. I don't remember exactly what, but... But the thing is that um, Goma the 15th also was not aware of Daijin Ryu, and so... Which, again, he also kind of has eyes everywhere, so the whole Daijin Ryu's existence and appearance is kind of weird and strange. And so, basically, he does not believe Kaku that this is what the situation is. He thinks that Kaku is afraid of the Goma and is coming to try to broker some sort of peace and is using this as an excuse. Yeah. 
And so he's not having any of it. He's like, no, I'm not going to, you know, like, we're not going to do a ceasefire. This will be a really good opportunity for me to just take over Earth. Okay. Okay. So then Goma says, listen, I'm taking over now. Like, everything's in chaos. This is a great opportunity for me. And he shows on the sort of, like, floating display image that he conjures that the Pachinko monster has again grown to giant size and is rampaging through Tokyo. Cut back to Tokyo, the Dai Rangers see this, and they're like, oh man, we need to summon Dai Reno and fight this guy. Which Cameo, who is still there, is like, no, you idiots, if you do that, Daijin Ryu will come back because he will be drawn to the source of conflict. And like, no, 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 he's in New York right now. Don't worry about it. We've got to stop this guy. Right, and th- it's like, okay... If, there, if this wasn't just totally like a, a kid's show, you know, I'm going to give it a little credit. I feel like on some level, this is maybe like social commentary. Uh-huh. Because the Rangers know, like they know that Daijin Ryu is around and that if they fight, that they will attract his attention. And they just can't think of anything else to do. Like all they can do is fight. It's the only thing they're equipped for. Right. Like they are not equipped to negotiate. And so they fight. So they summon Dyrano. I mean, they summon the kind of beast and it forms Dyrano. But the point is, is they summon Dyrano and they start fighting. So, and Cameo is just looking on like, guys, d- like, no, you, you need don't to stop understand. This. You really, really need to stop. Like, it is bad that the Pachinko monster is destroying Tokyo, but it will be worse if Dyra- or, uh, Daijin Ryu destroys the planet. Right. And so they start fighting. And then we cut back to the palace, and we're sort of watching them fight on this, like, conjured display screen. Right. So while they're watching this... And, and Kaku is, like, Goma. you know, shouting, like, they need to stop. We need to broker a ceasefire right now. And Goma and is Goma just blowing the 15th them says, like, nah, no, no, it's fine. So then Daijin Ryu shows up to Goma headquarters. More like dead quarters, am I right? Hey-o. Sorry, that would that, <laughs> that joke was in my notes and it didn't translate well, but I wanted to say it anyways. Okay, so Daijin Ryu shows up to Goma Deadquarters and starts just hitting it with like atomic lightning breath, basically, and it starts like disintegrating. It's just falling apart. Yeah, like the the main pyramid is getting battered around, and all of the surrounding like flying orbs are just falling into pieces. And those pieces so, then are like thrown into the main thing. The Goma throne room is like completely thrown off balance into disarray. All the pillars are toppling. They start falling. This is kind of a weird thing. So Goma the 15th, he's, he is hanging onto one of these pillars and he's kind of freaking out. He's like, oh no, I'm going to die if I fall off this pillar. To which I say, do you think maybe you should have set a throne room up in such a way that, I mean, forget everybody else for a moment, that you, Goma the 15th, the dude who presumably spends more time here than anyone else, would die if you fell off of the pillars? Also, quick side note, I'm pretty sure Goma the 15th can fly. Like, I am almost sure that we have seen that happen. Wait a minute. We've totally yeah. seen him fly. He is, like, he he is does freaking like a out hover for no reason. Thing. Yeah, so he's freaking... Well, dude, listen. Gomer the 15th is a weird guy. Maybe he forgot he can fly. I don't know. But 
He eventually, he's kind of scrabbling to stay on this pillar. He eventually fails. He's falling, and he falls right by Kaku, who manages to reach out and grab his hand and save him. And then he's like, listen, dude, like, maybe we need to negotiate a ceasefire, Goma the 15th? Like, maybe now you will listen to me that you are being directly attacked by this giant monster. And so now Goma the 15th, that his own life is in danger, says, yes, he agrees to the ceasefire. So we cut away from them back to Tokyo. Daijin Ryu just kills the pachinko master. It's not even a fight. No, he just steps he just, on him. I think he just steps on him. Like, literally crushes him like a bug. And so he does that. Then he turns to Dairano and does that thing where he hits him so hard that he falls into his constituent parts. <laughs> so Ryuseo, yeah. who's in his, like, human warrior form, like, is still there. And Ryu is still in the cockpit. But the other four rangers... Not only have their Kaiden beasts like scattered to the four winds, but they have fallen out and also been untransformed. So they're just in their civvies, like on the rubble on the street. Right. So at this point, it's just Ryuseo versus Daijin Ryu. You know, Ryuseo gives it a shot, basically, but he's got no chance. He just, you know. He just gets destroyed. Yeah, and so... Uh, I think at some point, one of the other rangers is like, oh no, if it goes on like this, we'll get beaten. Just like, dude, yeah, obviously. Obviously you will get beaten. Yeah, this is a bad situation for you guys. <laughs> and so, to stop Ryusio from getting crushed, Cameo transforms into Daimugen, his giant robot turtle form, and like opens up the chamber inside of him so that Ryusio can sort of hide in there, because Daimugen is a lot, lot more durable than um, Ryusio. Yeah, and if you don't recall, the Daimugen's like, internal cavity, I guess, operates as a sort of first aid station for other Kaiden beasts. Like, you can jump in there, and it sort of, like, heals and restores Kaiden beasts. So he is protecting Ryusei. And all of the other rangers are like, oh, this is great. He's in, like, Daimugen. He's totally safe now. And then right. Daijin Ryu just steps on Daimugen. <laughs> now, Daimugen is yeah. really tough. And so it's not like the pachinko machine. Like, he is still alive, but he is in the process of being crushed to death. And if things right. do not change and- immediately, then both Daimugen... Ryuseo, and also Ryu, are all going to die. Right. And it, at first, Daimugen thinks he's going to be okay, but it changes super quickly. He's like, I won't be crushed! And then it cuts away, and then it cuts back to him, and he's still being stepped on, and he's like, I'm going to die! <laughs> so, like, I think he thought he would be okay, but only for, like, a hot second, and then immediately realized how bad things were. So this goes on for, I don't know, a few seconds. Yeah, not a super long and time. And then... Daijin Ryu just stops. Takes a step back. Like, stands up pauses. Yeah. The light in his eyes go off. Oh, that's right. And this, I think, is where the, uh, like, why they used this footage the way that they did in Power Rangers. Because, like, he sort of stops attacking and the lights in his eyes turn off. And so, like, oh, well, I guess he just ran out of batteries. 
which is what happened in Power Rangers. But in this show, what happens is that he is sort of somehow cosmically gaining the knowledge that a, a ceasefire has been brokered. And so he doesn't right. have to keep attacking. Yeah, so he's good. So the lights go out, and then he just flies away. Yeah, back to the moon, or, you know, moon adjacent. Wherever it is that he resides. So, hooray, Earth is saved for now. Yes. Cut to murder basement. Kaku is sort of explaining to the rangers, he says, listen, for now there's a ceasefire because like, this is what we worked out to stop Daijin Ryu from destroying the planet. Don't let your guard down. Who knows how long it'll last. But for now, like everybody be cool. We're all just going to chill out. Yeah, like the Goma are still the Goma. So, like, who knows how long they will honor this ceasefire. But this is what we are doing for now. So don't attack them unprovoked. Yeah. The Ra- Ryu. Yeah, the Rangers aren't super into this. Right. Well, again, all they know how to do is fight. But Ryu, he's a little bit more intense. Like, he comes over to Doshi, like, kind of, like, Kaku is walking away. And Ryu sort of runs out in front of him. And he grabs him. And I can just, like, we're looking at the back of Kaku's head, but I'm imagining his face, and it's a face that you would give to someone that shouldn't be grabbing you. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But we don't see that face. We just have to imagine it. But Ryu says something. He's like, you're hiding something. Like, I know, like, this is not, this is hinky. Like, this is really weird. How could you have done this? Like, basically, how did you get a hold of the Goma and negotiate a ceasefire? Right. Like, how did you make that happen? Like, something is weird here. Kaku completely doesn't answer his question. He just says, Earth is safe. That's all you need to know for now. Step off. Right. uh, Basically. And he just walks away. So we get one or two... And that's all we get from them. We get one or two sort of like follow-up epilogue scenes. We cut to the ruins of the Goma Palace throne room. And Goma the 15th is like, okay, well, we have a ceasefire for now, but I'll keep watching. I was worried about dying. And as soon as I'm pretty sure that monster isn't going to come back, like, then we're just back on. It It is then time to start crushing things once again. Yeah. So Goma basically... Goma the 15th approaches world domination like playing Risk is what I'm getting from that. It's like, no, he totally won't attack until I want to attack you, in which case I'm totally going to attack. Yeah, and then our final bit is that we cut back to the ruins of Tokyo where Rin is running around still looking for Ko. Now, she doesn't find Ko, but she does find um, his sword, Byako. Yeah. And so she hears him. Bianco's like, hey, run over here. She rescues him. And she says, hey, Bianco, good to see you. But where's Ko? And Bianco says, I don't know where Ko is. I kind of lost him in the, like, I lost him in the shuffle or he lost me in the shuffle. But we got separated in the shuffle. But, you know, he's out there somewhere. I don't think he's dead. And I'm reminded, that, again, that Ko's birthday is coming up. Like, every day that passes is a day closer to his 10th birthday, at which point he will probably turn into a Goma. So the clock is still ticking on Ko. 
You know, it, it may or it may not be. I am not sure what the status of that is because at this point, like, he did kind of, if you remember, like, last episode, he was attacking the Die Rangers because he was, like, infused with, you know, Yo Ryoku. So I don't know at what stage of his, like, transformation into a Goma he is, but if he's not already all the way there, it's coming up soon and they need to find him. Right. And then we cut away, we see Ko, who is just kind of wandering through the devastation. He doesn't say anything, and I think the voiceover just says something to the effect of, who knows what fate will bring. Yeah, and he's like, when you say he's wandering through, he is wandering through sort of like dead-eyed, like, you know, still clearly not in his right mind. Right. And then that's it. Yeah, that is the end of the episode. Big mysteries. So, Dave... What is your high point of the episode this week? Oh, dude. I think it's the fact that Daijin Ryu exists to enforce the order of space. Yeah, the whole like, thing the, with in, Daijin Ryu is so yeah. great. Like, it's really cool. Like, I did not expect that level of kind of world development from... Go say Sentai Die Ranger. I was really pleasantly impressed. Like, it was super cool and fun. Yeah, that was great, man. That was absolutely my high point. Um, I'm going to say for my high point is the continuing mystery of Kaku and all of the stuff oh, with the Oh, yeah, Goma. that's also really good. Man, I super want to know what the deal is with that. Because Kaku, uh, it's, it's one a... of those things that oh, Kaku yeah, is yeah. this really mysterious character. But you kind of forget that he's a mysterious character. Because since it's a kid's show, you just kind of accept the fact that they don't tell you a lot of stuff. And you just sort of assume yeah, they don't no, that's tell a really it to you because point. it doesn't matter. But then it comes back and it actually is a thing and it does matter. And it's so sort of nice to see the payoff. Yeah, they're really doing. I'm super excited to find out exactly what the deal is. How about a uh, low point for you, Matt? Let's see. Low point for me this week um, gosh, honestly, it's kind of hard to pick a low point this week. This was such a great episode. It was. Okay, I kind of got a low okay, point. Okay, what do you got? My low point was, it's kind of a minor quibble, really, but it's the Pachinko Master. Okay. I, I think, for me at least, he wasn't like a super interesting Goma monster. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that he gets kind of summarily wrecked was it was like, oh, okay. So like, you know, Daijin Ryu just killed that monster, but like, whatever. But it was, I mean, again, this is like a super minor quibble. I feel like it would have been maybe slightly cooler if it was like a really cool Goma monster than Daijin Ryu also just like. Okay. More sort of impressive show of strength from Daijin Ryu. Yeah, exactly. Not that he totally needed it, but, I mean, again, I'm kind of grasping at straws for a low point, because it was a pretty rad episode. Yeah. Honestly, I'm going to skip low points this week. It was a great episode this week. Right on. Yeah, it was It, it was a super cool uh, The low point is that they're not all this good. There you go. There you go. And So that's it from us. Yeah, that is going to do it from another episode of Live and Let Die Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd just like to remind you all, you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or uh, talk to us on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, and I hope that you do, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help people find the show. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week.